0: Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in a Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, welcome today. I'm, I'm really looking forward to today's interview. We have a great guest. This is going to be a little bit different than typical for my episodes, which is funny because I was just chatting with my guest beforehand and she said that's so perfect for me because I've always been a mold breaker. So let me tell you a little bit about today's guest and just what, what you have in store in this episode. So today I have Janet McConnell. She is a fitness coach and author of Elements of Aging Well. She loves to speak about the radical promise of aging well, and to inform her audience how to recognize early signs of what she calls midlife unraveling. And in her book, she outlines practical and actionable steps to take to inspire women to harness their courage, take intentional risks once again, and rewrite the rules of aging, regardless of what society says. She believes that aging is inevitable but DK is optional. So, thank you so much for joining today, Janet. I'm excited to have you.
1: Well, thank you, Christy. That was a great introduction. I just want you to follow <laughs> me around for the <laughs> year or so and introduce me to everyone.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh no, thank you. I, you know, I, there's so many things with Janet that that we can get into, and I'd like to. I'd really like to just explore some of these things. So Janet is, she has such an incredible story, just personal story about what led her into fitness and into health, um, especially for my audience, which is so many midlife women. And so I'd love to just dive into some of that. And we're also going to get into just her message, really kind of a wake up call to women in midlife about where you're at, what you might not even realize you're doing and and what that can what can happen because of that and what you can do about it now. And then she really jumped into this entrepreneurial role in midlife and just her experience with that. And I feel like she has so much, such a great message of empowerment and inspiration for that. And then she became a first-time author in her 60s. And I know so many of you out there want to get into that and i want her to to share about that in her book. so okay, let's let's dive in. so first thing, janet, just a little bit of background of your story, like where you were at in, you know, your early 40s and then what happened and where did that lead you?
1: well, i think that it probably just briefly even before that for anybody who grew up in the 60s, 50s, 60s and 70s That was a time of, it was much more outdoor activity, much more um, sports playing. It was, there was no uh, social media or any of those distractions. And when I think back. I remember being a kid, a teenager, and even a woman in my early 20s being incredibly athletic. I was always really enjoying physical activity. It was competitive. It was really fun. But then I got into corporate life at that point Mm -hmm. and probably like around age 24. And I embraced my career fully. So all of a sudden, the exercise and the eating right and everything I just kind of expected Habit to take its course and left it on the wayside and just focused on career, career, career. And it was very rewarding, really fun. I felt very successful and appreciated for my skills and grew quickly in the business world, got promoted. And then pretty soon, I was flying cross country every week and really busy. And somewhere, somewhere in my 30s, probably from about thirty to mid forties, I didn't exercise at all, and I was eating hotel food, airline food, sleep deprived, mm-hmm. um, you know, writing executive summaries on a on a drop down, drop down tray table on the airplane, and just kind of like completely locked into this rat race uh, it was fun but it was nonstop and i think what happened when i look back i didn't see it while it was happening i was really losing my grip on my own well-being and i think a lot of your listeners a lot of ladies out there you are looking at this thinking i know exactly what you mean because <laughs> yes. maybe maybe you're raising children you're you're trying to balance maybe a career or a part-time job or whatever it is you're doing but you're pulled all different directions and the 20s and 30s and 40s are all about that building and and becoming and trying to find your way. And there's no judgment on that, but the inevitable thing will happen if you do what I did, which is just put all my eggs in one basket. And so I got to age 46 and I went to an annual physical as one does. And my doctor just kind of like looked at me over his half glasses and said, Janet, you have high blood pressure, high triglycerides, high cholesterol, and you are borderline obese. What's going on? Because you're on your way to early heart disease. Mm. And then he just sat back and stared at me and stopped talking. Oh, wow. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm a young woman and I'm active all the time. I run down the jetway with my wheelie bag, you know, I, I, I get a little activity, (laughs) but he was right. I mean, I was well over 200 pounds and, um, getting tired, falling asleep, sitting up. It was, it wasn't good and eating anything I could get my hands on and it wasn't showing up good in my numbers. And so in our mid forties to late forties is sometimes when that will show up. It scared me. It, it stopped. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes us as human beings to have a, a, a wake up call. It could be a lot of different forms, but that was the one for me. And fortunately it was before anything really catastrophic happened. Yes. So, he, so then what happened? So, so he, he handed, he slid a, a pile of prescriptions over the table at me. Oh. And I just thought, I, all I could see was myself with this giant pill sorter <laughs> yeah. and, and, and just, I, th- I am too young to be this old. And I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, let, let me, some, the thing that rebelled in me was I knew that just taking pills would make the numbers better, but it wasn't a fair shake for my body. I hadn't even given my body a chance to even try. Mm-hmm. And I, that little athlete, I think in me spoke up. So I said, Give me six months. I bargained with him. I literally bargained with him. I said, six months, let's make the appointment right now. I'll be back here. And if there's no improvement or t- not enough improvement, then I'll take your prescription slips. And he knew me, he knew I wasn't going to skip bail. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he just said, okay, come back in six months. And um, he, he was like, okay, like nothing was gonna happen, right? Yeah. So afternoon I hired a personal fitness trainer
0: oh wow you didn't mess around
1: no that's kind of how I am it's like I I just it was like getting struck by lightning and um, there was a lady at work that was in pretty good shape and I asked I asked her and, and she liked her trainer so I thought oh, okay well I'll start there so I hired a trainer and just began working out and the only way I could do it was at five o'clock in the morning
0: oh my gosh <laughs>
1: workday started because if I did it at five or six at night there would always be a meeting there would always be you know something was delayed and so the the day kind of um compresses into trying to get everything in at the end of the day and it was very stressful I I tried a a week or two to go at night and it didn't work so I went in the morning and uh, for three days a week for six months and I lost like 30 35 pounds And I still was a little overweight and I still, I wasn't like muscular or anything like that, but it was enough to make my numbers look better. Mm. And at this point, I didn't do anything with my diet. I was still eating the same way, but I was exercising Mm. regularly. So that's the first step for me. That was kind of like the entry drug for, for my (laughs) fitness journey. And I loved the exercise. It was resistance training. It was fun because I could see my progress. I could measure how week by week by week I kept getting stronger. I sat up straighter. I slept better. I dealt with stress and and the stress of work better. I just had better um, disposition. So that was good. And so I went back to my doctor and he said, all right, keep going. You're gonna come back in another six months. And then of course, then at that point, I was really looking around me at the gym and I was seeing that there were these two other ladies who were just a little bit younger than me and they were ripped, they were really like muscular. And then I noticed that they were lifting the same weights I was, hmm. same, same dumbbells, same weights, same machines. And I was like, my tr- <laughs> this sounds so funny now because it's really naive, but I said to my trainer, why do they look like that? And I look like this and we're doing the same exercise." And he goes, oh, it was by then I had switched trainers. And uh, he said, well, it's the diet. And I said, mm. what do you mean? I eat salads, you know? <laughs> he goes, no, no, those are bodybuilding competitors and they're going to be in a competition in about six weeks. And so they have to get really lean and they have to do it right so that they don't lose muscle. So they can't just starve themselves. Cause if you starve yourself, your muscle just falls off. So I was like, "All right, it's on. Tell me what to eat. I want to. I want to do that." And he was like, "Oh, because he knew it was really hard." And I was like, "No, no. If you don't do it, I'm going to find somebody who will train me for that." So wow. we got on the on the sort of the competition train at that point. And a year later, I was on stage on a in a bodybuilding competition at age 48.
0: Wow. Wow. And you guys, if you go to her website, she has these amazing pictures. I can't remember if it's on uh, your blog page or homepage. She has this picture where she's like, I don't know, around my age and, you know, just like corporate regular woman. And then the next picture is this bodybuilding queen. And it's like, oh my gosh, just the transformation. And then just kind of fast forwarding to that there's a third picture and when was that taken
1: so I have one that's when I'm 42 where I'm Mm -hmm. overweight um I don't have a lot of pictures of me when I was overweight because I wouldn't allow myself to be photographed so on some level I knew I I didn't look Mm -hmm. good and then the next one is 52 and then the next one is 62 and then in my book I even have a picture of when I'm 66 so you can see from 62 to 66 also so it's uh it's just kind of like to show it's, you know, the first one um, I looked good, but then I even looked better the next one. I have even more defi- definition and, and more symmetry. And, um, you know, so it's like the bodybuilding got better as time went on, not worse. And, and this is going from 40 to 60 and I, yeah. people think, oh, well, honey, you're in your sixties. What do you think you're doing? Why don't you act your age? <laughs> i
0: love that no yeah. i love it's like okay people think oh can i even train for a 5k can i do whatever and you're like look you can you can do anything you can be a b- bodybuilding or whatever it is for you and and you have so many great stories of that with clients as well
1: yeah well and it and not everybody has to be a bodybuilding competitor mm-hmm. but it, it's kind of it's an extreme sport i won't lie sure. but It is something that you can, if you sink your teeth into it, you can really get some great results. And it, what it did to me was it made me a different person. I walked differently. I talked differently. All of a sudden I had this newfound confidence, even though I was older, I was becoming older than the people in my workforce. And it was like, I had this kind of authority because there was something, there's something that happens with the mind and the body when they meet. And when you're doing something that's very um, introspective in that when you're lifting weights you're really feeling your body working with you and you stop thinking of your body as being this thing you drag around with you that's always disappointing you instead it becomes this very responsive friend that always will it always will do what you give it whatever you hand to your body it will assimilate it good or bad right and so and so, true. Yeah, it's like a guileless child. It's just like, okay, this is this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing, and it 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 is such a gift to find that out that your body is really on your side. And um, it was just such a really powerful lesson for me as a person going forward.
0: Yeah, and you know, just that just that message. I think that that I know you get into in your book with just how, how do you do that? Right. So people can, people can listen to your story and think, okay, well, she's, maybe she's just abnormal. This is just her, just some fluke occurrence. Right. But um, I would love for you to just dive into some of those themes that you feel like carried you on that journey from really one lifestyle to one completely different lifestyle. How that's possible? Like, um, you know, what, what do you feel like were the main factors, the main characteristics that you had to kind of adopt to get there?
1: I think I learned as I went, because I, you know, when you're starting, you're just kind of an innocent in it. And you just, mm-hmm. you you kind of lean into what you enjoy, what makes you feel better. Some, it makes you feel better usually right away, even though you're not where you want to be and you're not perfect in your eyes. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, well, I'm still kind of schlepping around here, but. This, I look forward to going. So if you can find an activity, and I talk about this in the book about, um, you don't have to be a bodybuilder, just pick the thing, the activity, whether it's a sport, like a team sport or something you do solo, outdoors, whatever it is. If it's rock climbing, hiking, cycling, pickleball, whatever it is, but it has to be something that you really look forward to doing so that you'll keep doing it. You know, and, and it'll be your activity and then you can excel at it. And then when you, when you figure out what that is and you'd commit to it, then you eat to feed that sport. So, you know, obviously you're gonna eat differently than if, if you're a marathon runner, than if you are uh, a, a Pilates aficionado, you know, you, you're gonna have a different burn, a different need for, for nutrition. But internally, I think what you may be getting at is this idea of developmentally, how did I get there? Yes, it's um, it has to do, I think, with the idea of being comfortable, not being sure of how it's going to turn out, hmm. but having a really clear picture of you want it, what you want it to look like, so that you 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 have this ideal vision in your head. I mean, when I saw those two girls in that gym, I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. And I knew in the in my heart of hearts that that was true. But it was, it was a little bit messy getting there. And I had to be okay with being in that place where I thought, is this really? Am I crazy? Am, <laughs> am I doing this right? Am, am I making a mistake? Am I asking too much of myself? So there's all those self-doubts that come along the way. And so it's being comfortable with mystery and with not having all the answers spelled out and just taking one step at a time. And the, you know, it's kind of like um the difference between having a floodlight light up the whole backyard in the dark or not having a floodlight and just having a flashlight. You can only see two steps ahead, right. but you can get the whole way that way.
0: Yeah. And and just to to keep going. I think something that we had talked about previously, just the act of habit forming as well as boundaries, because inevitably, like you said, there's life comes up. You're going to have those meetings. You're going to have a lot on your plate. So how do you go from a moment of inspiration to lifetime change? Like what, what would you say, whether that's resilience or how do you create that structure, those boundaries, what kind of advice or or tips would you give to, to go from, I'd love this, but I, is this just a wish or how do I actually make this real?
1: Right, right. Yeah. It, um, it feels like a burning desire. Mm -hmm. It's almost like takes your breath away that you want it Mm -hmm. so bad. So it starts with that but in the day-to-day uh, battle, because sometimes you, you regress, sometimes yeah. you disappoint yourself, you make mistakes, you, or you, do th- you go back to an old habit and you think, oh, now I remember why I gave that up. Um, you, you have to be prepared. Well, one, one of the things that really I can say is, in the very beginning, when I first started, I really started to notice who I was around, like who my friends were, who did mm-hmm. I spend time with? And I started to uh, kind of Marie Kondo my friends, you know, mm-hmm. like which ones give me joy? Which ones, which ones say you go girl, but then they kind of sabotage on the other side. And everybody's, you know, I mean, none of these people are bad people. They sure. just all have their own issues and their own insecurities and whatever going on. And, and they're really commenting on how they feel faced with what you're doing. Not really directly at what you're doing. It's how do I feel about your progress and how does that reflect on me? So I started paying attention to what I was doing with my time as far as socializing. And I, well, one of the things you have to do um, that's kind of a deterrent for people that maybe don't, that are thinking of bodybuilding is that when you are deciding to do a show, you have to give up alcohol for a while.
0: Mm, yeah, that can be big.
1: Yeah. And I was in a job where everybody liked to get together for happy hour once or twice a week and blow off steam.
0: Yeah. Oh, that would be hard.
1: Well, so I had to stop. So what Mm. I do at first is I would still show up, but I would show up a little bit late and then I would, they're already out on the patio, um, you know, drinking and whooping it up and I would get there and I would just breeze by the bar and get uh, a club soda with lime in it. Mm -hmm. And the bartender would kind of wink at me. He goes, you need this to look like a gin and tonic, don't you? (laughs) No umbrella, no umbrella, just, you know. (laughs) So I would go to these gatherings with my pseudo drink. And and I thought, okay, I can hang out with these people. They don't have to have the same goals as me. And it was okay for a little while. But then I started noticing that because I wasn't getting, you know, inebriated, I started noticing these people are just kind of like, I don't know, they're, they're, they're stuck. They're sad. They're not Mm -hmm. talking about the future and they're not, I was excited about the future and I couldn't find a a kindred spirit in that group. And so slowly I just backed away. So you Mm -hmm. might be prepared as you change your goals that you might have to change who you hang out with. Yeah. Um, And then, and then, but to be other in another way, um, having boundaries so that you know exactly what you want and where you're going and and kind of role play. Like if somebody kind of pushes back on you, um, then, you know, you'll have a, a ready response to say back that's in your integrity. It's not mean or snide, <laughs> but just kind of like you're kind of ready with an intelligent, thoughtful answer that's kind. Yeah. but here's my boundary. That um, being able to form habits that are sustainable. And the way to do that is to start small and just adopt one little thing, one little thing, another little thing and keep doing it for several weeks until you wouldn't think of going back, then add another one, add another one. So it's rather than it being a a landslide overhaul. Yeah. Just little at a time and then celebrate those little victories along the way. And that really falls into that idea of it being a marathon, not a sprint, because Mm -hmm. really what you're wanting here, when you think about it is lifelong habits that go from now until you're a hundred. And so that doesn't happen by doing a 30 day cleanse or a weekend fast, and then you get done with it and you're like, oh, I can't wait till I can get back to my old habits again. This really sucks, you know? Because it does if it's too jarring, you know, your your mind and your body fight back. So starting slow, adopting little habits and just kind of, you know, maybe um, start keeping track. I journaled a lot. I've got, see all those books on the top shelf. A lot of those are are journals. Um, And then the other one is celebrating your resilience because when you're in the dark of it, and you feel like this is just like forever. I don't think, yeah. I don't think I can do this. What am I doing here? And sometimes you're the only one in your, you know, even in your family, your family's like, okay, dear, you go ahead, but be <laughs> safe, you know, but nobody else is in it with you. You think, um, what am I doing? And so there's this activity that I figured out in taking an old photograph, which is why those photographs are on my website. <laughs> and looking at who you were, and then who you take a picture of who you are now, and then try to brainstorm with yourself, all the things that you've accomplished, all the hardships, all the difficult passages that you've gone through. I mean, I had, you know, my parents passing away, I had um, a knee replacement surgery, I had just like really big things. And yet, I'm just going right on, you know, and I look back and go, wow, that was a lot of stuff that I went through. And I kind of forgot about it because, you know, you just keep rolling and think about it once in a while. But when you think about it all at once of all the things that you've done in the last five years, eight years, 10 years, and then you think, what am I complaining about? Look what I'm doing now. Okay. Well, I'm going to have another picture and I'm going to tell this story of how, how resilient I am and how brave I am because i've already i've already done it. i've already done that. especially when you get to be my age you've got lots of lots of decades to play with in your memories so it's such a
0: great way to look at it because it's so easy i feel like human nature just instinctively wants to go to what's wrong, what are the flaws, what do i need to change? and i think just that positive mindset just saying I, that's not what i'm going to focus on i there are so many pieces of strength and beauty to draw from. And I love how you, you bring in those photos to make it even more tangible, I guess, you know, to say, yeah, this was me, this is me. And there's a lot of good momentum. So I I just, I love that. I think just in that day to day, when you think, you know, oh my gosh, this is going to be a crazy week. I'm, you know, instead of just automatically thinking, oh, I'm just, there goes all my good efforts out the window um, to have some strength to draw from in those moments.
1: Yeah, instead of saying, oh, I have to go to the gym. It's, I get to go to the gym. Mm. Oh, I have to do that. How I get to, so it switches it into being more empowering. Like I'm so fortunate that I, have the time and the ability to do these things if you look at it from uh this is such a grind it's it's demotivating before you even leave the house you know
0: yeah
1: That's yeah that mindset, mindset as well
0: well and just you know the you've kind of been touching on the the midlife unraveling but i don't know if there's if there's anything else any you know warning signs or or tips that that you would want to give my audience just because this is probably where they're at right now and um and it's not hopeless clearly like it's it's not inevitable
1: no it's uh it's in life I think it's that time when you realize um well you get to the point where your kids are mostly grown or they're at least you know able to Go to go to high school, or you know, they're kind of almost there or there, and they're out of the house. So you start to look ahead at empty nest syndrome, and also um, your your parents are aging, and so you're looking at them going, um, "That's my gene pool." Maybe they're doing well, or maybe they're not, or something in between. But you know, if you don't tend to your own well being. You're not, you're not going to start here and get better if you don't tend to it. And so I think at this point in our midlife, we start to look, we look back and then we look forward. And it's when we all start to become more interested in longevity because we're, yeah. <laughs> we see our mortality and we think, okay, when, what am I doing right now that I don't want to give up? That's what makes people afraid of getting old is they have to give things up. They have to give up their agency. They have to give up their mm-hmm. activity. They have to back off on things that they enjoy. So what do you not want to give up and train for that? So that doesn't happen as as quickly as you think. Uh, And the other thing is, it seems like, well, what, what, I mean, the first little thing that happened to me was when I was trying to lose weight after I kind of started working out. And then I thought, I'm just, I mean, I'm stronger, but I still, I still look like this, you know? So what I would do was I would try what used to work. And what used to work when you were 22? Mm. You could skip dinner and you could skip breakfast and do the, the, um, the vegetable soup diet for three days and suddenly your genes would fit and you would be so happy. Yeah. And that works yeah. when you're really young because you have that youthful vitality as a cushion. You have mm-hmm. hormone. You have, a, there's things that go on in your body that aren't in your control that actually give you that, make you look good even when you're not eating right and, you know, whatever. Well, that doesn't work when you get over 45 because what it does is it causes you to lose muscle when you diet, when you over diet, you lose muscle. So you lose weight, but then your body is more body fat. And so then you go back to eating regular again, you don't have the muscle on on your body. And muscle is a calorie hound. Like if you have more muscle on your body, you can eat more calories and it'll burn, the, the muscles will chew it all up. And so you have a larger margin of error and it's much easier to lose excess body fat when you have muscle on your body. And we lose muscle slowly over time, starting at about age 35 to 40, our growth hormone starts going downhill very gradually. And so you can maintain your weight, but then you feel kind of squishy, even though the weight on the scale, and then pretty soon the weight starts to go up and It's like, you don't know why. And it has to do with loss of muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So that starvation, um, you know, going really strict with only eating one food group or two food groups or um, trying uh, uh, maybe some supplements or drugs or things that will raise your metabolism. They, those are not long-term solutions. And my rule of thumb is if you cannot do what you're doing to lose weight for the next 50 years, then it's not sustainable because what I'm doing is sustainable, obviously, you know, cause of over the time. So oh. that's another thing. But in um, about midlife is when you start getting those feelings, like I'm losing control of my, my um, health and body fat and my the way I look, I don't like it. Um, my family's shifting all over the place. My parents are aging. My kids are gone. I'm sitting here staring at my partner going, Who are you again? (laughs) And and, and also maybe you're reaching retirement age. That's a shift Mm -hmm. because you've always maybe defined yourself as being this, you know, corporate executive or whatever it is. And so who are you now when you retire? And I was just talking to a lady yesterday. I was sitting in a restaurant and she was right next to me and then table next to me and her friend was late. So we started talking and she said, I'm an aeronautic engineer and I am your age, I'm. she says, I'm 66, and I just retired last year, and everybody keeps asking me what I'm going to do now, and she says, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do now, I have to figure that out, I mean, she was right in it, she was yeah. in the fire, so we had a really great conversation, it was really fun to talk to her, but I was like, here's another one, <laughs> another one of my tribe. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, the, you
0: have this radical promise of aging well is what you focus on. And that um, just because you feel like things are maybe spinning out of control and, oh, I just have to accept it. This is just part of getting old. I mean, it really, this, I think it's partially diet and exercise, but like you said, it's it's finding something you enjoy, not just drudgery. And because for anyone who knows you, you have such a zest for life. It's not just a, oh, you know, I feel good because I take care of myself, but it's a pain and I hate it. It's you're finding ways to just shift, shift into a new way to enjoy life. And that radical promise of aging well, like I know one of the women that you trained was she in her eighties and she, like you posted a picture on LinkedIn. And I mean, this is a very toned, woman so it, it it really is i feel like throwing out and rejecting this idea of what's inevitable and and you really do such a great job of showing what's possible
1: yeah it's it's and and it's with a, an 80 year old lady who loves traveling and you know going to swim on the great barrier reef of australia so if she she can scuba dive underwater it, everything's lightweight But dragging those tanks on deck she had to train for that (laughs) so she and she didn't want everybody waiting on her so she had this attitude of i can do this so it's an attitude as well and it's really true you know it's um it's something that you have to think ahead on and start planning it now so that just like with retirement you know how there's so many seminars out there on how to save so that when you retire, you're not out of money mm-hmm. because you've invested properly. Well, it's the same thing with your body, investing properly. I mean, truly in this society, more people are afraid of getting old than they are of dying. It's there, it, There's a wow. terror of it. We always hear, you know, fear of public speaking. Now nah, that's okay. Yeah, that's true. But fear of getting old, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know I don't want I don't want to be 86 just shoot me It's like what <laughs> I know an 86 year old who downhill skis so <laughs> <come on. laughs> there's a, there and there's a lot of people out there in uh, social media or or like I should say celebrities there's a quote from um, Dick Van Dyke I don't know if your your audience probably knows who he is yeah. at my age so Dick Van Dyke is. 96 or so right now and there's this famous quote he put out there a few years ago and I just grabbed it because it was perfect he says in my 30s I exercise to look good in my 50s to stay fit in my 70s to stay ambulatory in my 80s to avoid assisted living and now in my 90s I'm just doing it out of pure defiance (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that So I think I'm going to be like that for sure.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, and just your attitude. I love how it's, you know, when we're in our 20s and we think about, okay, what do I want to do with my life? Who do I want to become? And I feel like something that I really appreciate about you and your message is that you can continue doing that. It's not just something you do early in life. And I think a lot of the women even Mm -hmm. listening to this are you know, some may have had their own business for years. Some are just jumping into that. And that, you know, I know applies to you as well for when, how old were you when you started your first business?
1: I was, um, see, I went into corporate life when I was about 24 and stepped out just like quit cold Turkey when I was 52 and did lots of different things, but, Mm -hmm. um, at 52, by then I had already competed a couple times and had realized the power of transformation and I was no longer interested in working for someone else. I felt like so energized and inspired by what happened to me and how powerful it was. And I thought, this is what I should be doing. And I'm talking about it from a place of having done it and and, and I'm in it, still in it. And right. so it, it's much more, I think for for women, I know for my clients, you know, that part of the appeal is that I'm not a little 22 year old cheerleader. Come on. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, I've got a little arthritis today. I mean, you know, I'm <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of relatable for that reason, but never in my wildest dreams when I was in my forties, even did I think, oh yeah, someday I'm going to own my own business and I'm going to be a public speaker. and I'm going to write a book and no never it kind of evolved one you know one thing leads to another and um you know i think my husband famously in our family the story is i'm sitting at the table i have a little lighted makeup mirror and i sit there in the morning with my coffee it's a a nice place to sit kind of out in the kitchen and i'm putting on my makeup and i'm crying and and mopping it up and then putting my mascara back on and then crying it off and putting it back on my husband's like What's wrong with you? (laughs) I I just can't do this anymore. I can't go to work. I can't do this. I hate it. I'm. It's not me anymore. And he goes, "Well, they quit."
0: (laughs) Wow, what a supportive husband.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was. Well, I was kind of holding it in, trying to be brave, and Mm. you know, I mean, it meant taking a dip in my income for a little while. You know, obviously, because I had to. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I mean, I kind of did, but I was afraid to claim it. so when I quit, I, I just got a little service job for a few months until I could just like, all right, it's on, I'm going to be a trainer. I'm going to be, I'm going to do all these things and get certified. And and then I became a personal fitness trainer from there and just had my own, have my own company now. So yeah, yeah. But at the time I was like, I was really, I waited until I was having a meltdown mm-hmm. and uh, you don't have to wait that long. Those of you listening, but. I did.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you can truly start a new career, fifties, sixties, seventies. It's, it's incredible. And now you are a a new author. Yes. So elements of aging. Well, when did you decide I'm going to do this? This needs to be written down. This needs to be a book. Like what does that journey looked like so
1: far? I think uh, it started probably I've always, I've always been a good writer and a good speaker. It's always just being kind of in me, mm-hmm. um, you know, just even in college and all the way through, I always had this sense of myself um, loving books and loving to write. So during COVID, during the lockdown, of course, being at a gym, our gym was able to stay functioning because we have a uh, physical therapy facility in it. So it's kind of a rehabilitation. We kind of had like um, a special kind of dispensation to keep going a lot of gyms, of course we know had to shut down, yeah. but my, but my clientele dropped off by half, you know, cause mm-hmm. there were people that were afraid to come to the gym. And so I had a lot more free time. And so I started thinking, well, you know, I've always said I'm, I'm my website. I don't need a website. I'm the website. I'm pretty much the embodiment of what I do. When you talk to me, you'll know everything you need to know. But then I thought, well, if I'm going to be an author and a speaker someday, and I thought, did I just say that to myself? <laughs> I better have a website because people are going to need to find me. And so I hired a marketing person and um, somebody, it was a branding and logo expert. And we started working together. So during COVID, it was all about building that foundation. So I had a website, I had brand identity, I uh, started blogging. Um, so it kind of started there. And then um probably after that, I had clients who kept saying to me, Janet, you're always saying these really kind of pithy things. And you have these great little quotes and these statements and you should write a book. You can inspire a lot of people. And I thought, well, I kind of want to write a book, but then I just didn't get started. And then this happened while I was on vacation. This is the value of going on vacation because it's a, it's a pattern interrupt. So you have time to think. You don't have to, you're not in your routine anymore. We, my husband and I went to Durango, Colorado for a week and we explored everything. And one of the things you can do there is you take a little narrow gauge steam train from Durango to Silverton and it's a, like a four or 5,000 foot winding. Yeah. In fact, that's where they filmed um, uh, the Sundowns Kid, the, you know, where mm. they jump off the cliff was there. It was really a deep gorge. Okay. So it's this beautiful trip, right? So we're enjoying it. And there were these, a lot of, lot of older seniors on this trip because that, that's something they can do. Sure, It's not as physically demanding. And so I was, oh, it was eavesdropping without meaning to listening to these older people. And there was such a contrast between what they were sharing with each other. You know, one man was just full of regret. Oh, I used to yeah. own this kayak and I used to camp and I used to do this. I, I really enjoyed that, and, but I can't anymore my hip is bothering me so it's all these things he loved to do and all the reasons he can't and then he ended with enjoy it while you can and he was talking to this older couple across from him who were still very um they still hiked and they were obviously in their 70s you know and they were hikers and they were just having a blast and this was just a, a rest day for them and I didn't know that it really sunk into my subconscious, but I woke up the next morning at 4 a.m. just like, Mm. (laughs) oh, and I just got this download and started writing. I I was like, I I have to get this out of me. And it's it's the last chapter in my book, which is my call to action. Mm. But it's comparing the idea of this beautiful hundred year old steam engine that is in perfect working order. When I mean, all of its siblings are all in the scrap heap or being climbed on in an amusement park. This oh, one. Such a good visual. Somebody cared. Why do we still have this train? Somebody cared and how well it was taken care of And, and people would wave and honk their horns and we go by because everybody recognizes a treasure,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whether it's a machine or a person. And, you know, we, we look up to, you know, these older people that, you know, still climb Mount Whitney or still, you know, I have a lady I just trained to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I mean, they're, they're treasures, just like seeing a 56 T-bird going down the freeway in perfect condition, shiny whitewall tires, not a dent. Everything is just beautiful. And you just think, Wow. And you look at the guy driving, it's usually a guy. And it's some guy my age, and you know, or older. And it's was like, there's somebody who cared. He mm-hmm. loved that car. What if we loved our bodies and loved our lives the way we love antiques that we restore and bring back to life? And it just struck me what a perfect comparison. to, oh, yeah. You know, because it's kind of projected on an object, but it's true about us.
0: I love that. I love that. It's, it is true. And it, it, even though we may not have as many examples of that, it's there for the taking. And I love that. So I definitely encourage those of you who just want to learn more and, you know, maybe want some inspiration in that to check out her book, Elements of Aging Well, Janet McConnell will have the link in the show notes. And then also you can go and check out her website, and that is ignite fitness with Janet.com and Janet, any, any final piece of advice that you haven't yet already covered. You've covered a ton of stuff.
1: I talked a lot. I hope I did. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I really do believe in, in what I'm saying. And I, if, if anything at all, just, it's not over till it's over. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you when when, you know, The last puff of air leaves your lungs, then you're over. And so don't stop, don't stop.
0: Oh, so good, so good. Thank you. I know you guys got a lot out of this. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check her out. And until next time, have a great week. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode, and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? building your own show and audience takes years grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads build your seo and strengthen your brand to learn how my agency can help email me at hello at